With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by PD. What's up? I feel like we just did this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not too long ago. Uh, it's Monday, uh, and it was a Monday, Monday, but you know, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think you had the uh, same kind of sentiment a few weeks ago, but yeah, it's Monday, but it wasn't too bad on this end, but. Uh, We'll go ahead and get started. So, PD, you had in the Cannon Blast today some interesting info, tidbits regarding the Metro Division, and we're going to get into that in a bit. But I know you also had some info regarding the return to play for the NHL as we look ahead to the upcoming season, whenever that might be. Right, yeah. I had the idea when starting to write that I wanted to look over what our Metro Division rivals have have done so far in the offseason, because I know some people in the comments were asking about that. and wanting to compare what we've done to what the other teams have, have done. Now, as it turns out, while you know it's important to compare ourselves to everyone in our division, we might not be playing our division in this coming season. Uh, I was mostly going off an article that Michael Russo wrote at The Athletic that was talking about some of the things that were discussed on Friday at the GM meetings. So basically, at this point, there's still not a plan. <laughs> we don't know when the next season is going to start. We don't know how it's going to go down. You know, all they've done at this point is they've got another return to play committee assembled, just like they had in the summer, that has GMs, league officials, players trying to figure out what's the best way to get a season done. Um, and there's a lot of options at the table. Nothing's really off the table yet. I think they're still hoping for a, maybe a January start, but, you know, I don't know how feasible that is to get that all lined up, you know, from now until then over the next two months. We'll see. It seems likely that there will have to be a temporary realignment because teams might not be able to freely cross the Canadian border. Uh, We saw this in baseball and soccer this year. 
that the Canadian government was not backing down for those leagues. The Blue Jays had to play their games in Buffalo. Canadian MLS teams, they played a series of games among themselves, those three teams. But now for the remainder of the regular season, they've been based in the U.S. Like Toronto FC is playing their home games in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, So with seven Canadian teams in the NHL, it makes a lot of sense to have a Canadian division. If we go to a sort of schedule where we have four divisions and everyone just plays a divisional schedule, much like Major League Baseball did, you know, that seems to be the way to go to limit exposure, prevent a league-wide outbreak, and try to, uh, you know, limit travel for teams. So uh, it seems like the Jackets might be reunited with some central division foes like the uh, the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Predators. So that that could be uh, that could be pretty interesting. So and there's still and there's talk about hub cities where all the games will be played in a select number of cities. They wouldn't be bubbled like we had for the playoffs. Players would still be able to move around a little bit, um, but there would be designated hotels and you know limited contact outside of just the hotel and the arena. And Columbus uh, was one of the cities listed in the article. So I know we were one of the finalists when they were looking at hub cities for the playoffs. So I think a lot of the same reasons why it would be a good city still stand. Uh, I think it might depend on, you know, where COVID numbers are at, which is going to be, you know, that we've seen how much that can change wildly in a couple months. So that remains to be seen. I don't know if you had it, if you got a chance to read the Rooster Report, if you have any thoughts on, on what's been reported so far. Yeah, I guess, you know, it seems inevitable, I think. But as you mentioned, it, it, it wouldn't be a bubble for having hub cities. And just comparing it to how the NFL season has played out so far, you know, basically the midway point of their season, uh, you know, they're playing in their own stadiums, traveling like normal. But after seeing how the NHL worked their bubble last, you know, in the, in the playoffs, I have confidence that they can get a season in. I think there will probably be some positive cases like the NFL and MLB. And not to put it, you know, so bluntly, but in a way, I feel like we just kind of have to move forward or at least while knowing the risks and trying to help contain it as much as possible. But, you know, I do think the NHL, whenever they might start, can make it work. And I think the division realignment is pretty interesting considering you know, where Columbus might end up in their division. And it would be interesting if it did look like the old central division with teams like the St. Louis Blues, Chicago Blackhawks, maybe not playing teams like Pittsburgh as often. Uh, although Pittsburgh isn't really the team that they used to be, or at least the what we're quite used to seeing these days. Yeah, sure. And that, and that kind of segues into, into our next topic. I covered in Canada last. I looked at, you know, what these other teams in the Metro were doing. And um, one thing that, that struck me is that I don't know that any of the teams got dramatically better. I don't think there were any big home run moves like like we had last year when the Rangers signed Panarin, for example. I think, you know, some teams maybe got a little better, some teams got a little work, but I think that, I feel like there's a lot of status quo there. Um, one of the teams in the best position would be Philadelphia, and they didn't really do much of anything, but I think they had a good enough season that they didn't have to do anything. I think Washington has had a good off season. Uh, I think just making that coaching change is good because obviously things were not working with Todd Reardon um, and Peter Labiolette is a, is a proven winning coach. Um, I think he will maybe do better teaching the defensive side of things uh, similar to what Barry Trotz did. And Reardon was supposed to be a defensive guy, but he it just wasn't sticking. And I think they've 
they added some nice pieces on defense. They had traded for Brendan Dillon at the deadline and they re-signed him. Uh, they also added Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Justin Schultz. So I think those are solid depth guys on the blue line. They had a big change in goal. They let Braden Holtby walk in free agency, which, you know, a few years ago that would have been unheard of for Washington. But after the year he had, I don't think that's as much of a loss for them. He was not good this year. And I think the team was slow to realize that. <laughs> I think if they had played Samsonov a lot more than they did, that they could have done better, which is odd to say about a team that, that won the division. But I, I feel like Samsonov is the safer bet going forward. Um, so I think they'll be addition by subtraction there. They've got a better blue line in front of them. Uh, and then Henrik Lundqvist, I think, is a solid backup, especially because of his buyout. He's They signed him for a super cheap deal. So I don't think he's got many miles left in him, but for that price and for what he adds off the ice, uh, it's going to be a nice story for the Capitals. Like, oh, hey, can, can you know King Hank get his cup finally? That'll be that'll be interesting. And then they, as long as they've got you know those great forwards they've got, you know they're going to be formidable. So, is there anyone else that stood out to you that had a a good off season? I was thinking the same thing, actually, when I was looking at the cannon blast just before we started recording. I was curious, you know, looking at the poll questions, asking which teams had the best offseason. Philly did have a good, you know, really good season last year. And Washington will be interesting with Henrik Lundqvist and net. And it would be odd if, you know, when those teams play or if they play at the Garden, I assume New York would probably be a hub spot. There wouldn't be fans there, though, which would be, be odd. Now, yeah, you, you brought up the polls that I put in the post. So our... So 37 people voted so far at this point. The Rangers actually were winning the poll for who had the best offseason. Now, it was only 35%, but, and I think that's got to be mostly because of, they got the number one overall pick, and they got Alexi Lafreniere. To be fair, that's that's pretty good. I don't know, I don't know what kind of uh, impact he'll have as a rookie, uh, but he's supposed to be a pretty good talent. Now, the fans over at Blue Shirt Banter that participated in the SB Nation Reacts poll they split 50 50 on their offseason uh which was interesting to me i i would have thought that they would be feeling better because of that draft pick i think they still had some issues on their blue line that they didn't fix they got they got rid of mark Stahl, but then they signed jack johnson um now he's paid more appropriately but he's still uh he's still bad <laughs> so that doesn't help them there uh they might be you know they might be sad about losing their you know their franchise goalie because he's you know, Luck has been there so long. He means so much to the, to the franchise. So it's weird to see him playing elsewhere, especially a division opponent. Um, but but yeah, I, I think the Rangers are still, though, on their upward trajectory. Um, so I think they should still feel good about that. Now, on the flip side, the worst offseason, 50% of the votes, and I agree with this, say the Islanders. Because uh, I feel like they were very similar to the Jackets. They're... You know, they have to save cap space to sign some restricted free agents, uh, Matthew Barzell and Ryan Pulak. Uh, and so then they traded Devin Taves to Colorado for a couple second round picks. And, you know, Taves have become a pretty solid defenseman for them. You know, not not a lead or anything, but like reliable and kind of guy that a good team doesn't want to have to give up if they don't have to. Um, and so they haven't been able to add anyone else in the offseason because they're saving the space they have for those guys. You know, we're, we're all nervous about, you know, why haven't they re-signed Dubois and Gadrikov yet? But I think for, you know, Barzell might set the market for Dubois, you know, because I think they're, 
They're actually they've been pretty similar players the last couple of years. Um, and I think Barzell is he adds more on the power play. He has, you know, more points for his career. But uh, you know, so whatever he makes, Dubois is gonna come in right under that. So that might be something that the teams and the agents are waiting on. But I don't see, you know, the Islanders, they lost Thomas Grice. Um, you know, so they're counting on this, this prospect of theirs to come in and join Varlamov. You know, I, but I think under, with the trot system, they'll, you know, they'll be good in gold. You know, they'll be good on defense. But, you know, are they adding any more offensive spark? Uh, you know, can Pajot keep up what he was doing after they got him? I don't know. Um, you know, I, it's odd to be down at a team that, you know, just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, I don't see them improving from what they had this year. Yeah, going back to, uh, you know, who had the best offseason, I was a little surprised. And, you know, I get it was just nine people. But, you know, for the Blue Jackets, I was surprised that nine people thought the Jackets offseason had gone very well. They're they're being homers, and that's okay. Okay, that's true. (laughs) But still, I was surprised, though, because we see, you know, we still see a mixture of uh, critiquing, you know, and looking at it, you know, the other way as well, you know, but with the draft and kind of going off the map there a little bit. And I don't know if the lead is getting buried, but I feel like, you know, the Max Domi acquisition is a really good one for Columbus and that should help, you know, will help the offense. Yeah. And I think people are upset about like losing Murray and Nudavara in trades where we didn't get really anything back in return. And the fact that they created this cap space and then haven't done anything with it yet. And I agree that that's pretty frustrating. Um, but I do think the Domi trade is not getting enough attention or not getting enough credit for it that that does help the team a lot because, you know, coming into the offseason, like, hey, our center depth isn't good. You know, we could really use a 2C. And that's what Domi is. Like, he's going to give us a good second-line center. And that makes – you know, the, and then adding Koivu as a, you know, a veteran bottom six guy. I don't have super high expectations from him, but he's, you know, solid for like a defensive kind of line. So, you know, center is not necessarily weakness for us at this point. So I think having, you know, Dubois and Domi is like two young centers on our top two lines. Now, whichever line is the first or second line that could change from night to night. And, you know, we've got, I think enough wingers that have some talent that can play well with those guys. So yeah, I, I Domi's a you know proven scorer. He's a you know averages fifty points a year. Uh, you know that's yeah that would lead the team in scoring last. That's not year. something to turn your nose up. That yeah, exactly. I saw this on Twitter last night. The NHL Network had a tweet, a clip from their TV segment talking about the Blue Jackets, and they were saying that they didn't foresee a, a drop off. That you know they'll still be there because of their goaltending defense. As long they said, as long as they score three goals a night, they'll win a lot of games, and that they would be a team that nobody would want to face in the playoffs. Very similar to what I said on my Cutting to the Chase podcast that we recorded the other day. And Domi will be a, a good offensive boost, uh, but you do want to see goals from other guys like Atkinson. I also thought it was interesting about Corey Crawford going to New Jersey. You know, it's an interesting move. He was a huge reason for Chicago getting past the Oilers in the playing round. Uh, and he had COVID as well. So he played really well. But, you know, I never know what to make of New Jersey. They seem to be really good or really yeah, bad so in recent years. I think that, yeah, I'm glad you brought them up because they're a very interesting team. I I still think they're not, they're, they're a bad team still. And I don't think they're going to be in contention this year for a playoff spot. 
But yeah, I think they made some good moves. Um, you know, getting Ryan Murray, what they did, like if he can stay healthy, he's going to help them a lot. He's going to be arguably their best defenseman. Um, you know, they, they got Andreas Johansson from Toronto. He's a solid forward. He helps their, their wing in depth. Uh, you know, they've got some good centers, but they don't have much on the wing. Um, and then it's weird. I don't know. What kind of message does that send to Mackenzie Blackwood that they went out and signed a Stanley Cup winning goalie? And meanwhile, Mackenzie Blackwood, they still need to sign his new contract. Um, and I think Blackwood's a really good goalie. Like, I think he's definitely should be their franchise guy. He's young. He's been effective despite having, you know, nothing in front of him in terms of help from his teammates. So, but yeah, to have, but as you're signing a guy like Crawford to be a, a backup, you know, that's interesting. And I, you know, if, if a team is in tank mode, you know, which, you know, the coaches don't want to tank, the players don't want to take, but it's something the front office can do, like make the team bad to, you know, collect draft picks and prospects and, you know, improve your draft position by being bad. And, and a great way to do that is by having bad goaltending. And so they're not going to have that this year they're going to be able to win some games they shouldn't because either Blackwood or Crawford steals a game for them. And I don't know how that fits into their plan necessarily, but that's, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if maybe now it could be that Crawford is someone that they can expose to Seattle. So maybe by this time next year, uh, Crawford's going to be a Kraken, you know, uh, that's, that's that could be their their game plan there because they signed to do a two year deal. But I still think Blackwood's the future there. But I would say yeah, the Devils have had a a good offseason. Obviously they they made a bunch of first round draft picks because of the trades they made. You know, but this is not their year. I think. But you know, two to three years down the road, I think they'll be back in the mix. And keeping up with the goaltending theme, Pittsburgh made a change in goal. So Matt Murray's going to Ottawa. Uh, Pittsburgh still has Crosby and Malkin, so there's still a, maybe not a Stanley Cup, maybe, maybe not everybody's Stanley Cup pick, but they're still a threat. They're a contender. They're contenders still, certainly, as long as they've got those guys. Exactly, yeah. Unless they fall off a cliff like the Blackhawks, but I don't really think that's happening, at least not yet. But what do you make of the Penguins? Yeah, they, well, they don't have anything as bad as like the Brent Seabrook contract that really hinders them. Matt Murray, man, is, isn't that interesting how much his career has plummeted? You know, here, like in his first two years in the league, he had these two great playoff runs, won two cups, and then he has never lived up to that since then after they traded Fleury. Um, So, you know, I I think I agree with them that, you know, Jerry at this point is better than Murray, uh, and it's good that they got stuff for Murray, but um, I also don't know that it's worth putting all their eggs in the Jerry basket to be their their guy. And, And if you look at their defense you know their best defender is still Chris Letang and he's not getting any younger um they got rid of Jack Johnson they bought him out but then they signed Cody Cece who is uh not he's also notoriously bad um you know they're not overpaying him or anything but that doesn't help them they traded for Mike Matheson from Florida he's not great so Jerry's not going to get a lot of help from the blue line. So I think they got to hope that they can outscore teams. Uh, I like the Kapanen trade for them. You know, if you're in win now mode, getting a guy like that as a, you know, middle six forward, um, you know, that's the kind of guy they've been able to continuously plug in and, and, you know, 
he's been, you know, so-so in Toronto, but yeah, you put him on Malkin's wing and all of a sudden he's going to be a 30 goal guy. <laughs> just, you know, just watch. So yeah, I think as, as long as Crosby and Malkin are still doing their thing, um, and let's not forget Jake Gensel, you know, he, he missed a lot of the season to injury, but uh, you know, he's, he's a great guy. I don't know if he can carry that team with Crosby, if Crosby and Malkin fall off or when they retire or whatever. But if you've got those three guys, you can still go pretty far, but they're going to need those guys to, I think, outscore other teams. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And moving to our final topic, the Blue Jackets 20th season anniversary is nearly among us. And on the uh, official NHL and NBC Instagram account, they posted, uh, they had a post basically which sweater would you bring back of the original? It was between the, you know, the first Blue Jackets logo or the Bruins, the Pooh Bear look with the bear head. I think that was only around for a few seasons, but, you know, obviously everybody knows the iconic pinwheel for Boston, but I'll say this. I never really minded the original Blue Jackets logo with the C, the B, and then the J for the hockey stick. I was used to Stinger. I know he's not the most popular, uh, you know, on the sweater, but um, you know, I'm ashamed to admit though, it took me a while to realize that that logo was a C, a B, and a J, and then a hockey <laughs> stick. I didn't know what the hell it was. I thought it was just some random logo, but I, I guess I didn't realize it until I was uh. looking at it one day or something. But And, you know, it also reminds me of the Rays. I used to hate the Devil Rays logo, but looking back on it, I don't mind that at all. I like that a lot now. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the, the Rays logo. I was watching the World Series Game 5 last night, and they had that giant Ray logo on their hats, and which seemed like way too big for the size of the hat. And I don't know that I liked it as much as a hat logo. I think I'm, I prefer like their, the, the TB letters or like the, the sun spot. I think I prefer those logos for the rays and just keep the, the fish as the, uh, as the sleeve logo. But anyway, yeah, the, the ribbon logo, I think I have some nostalgia for it as well. I always thought that was cool the way it was kind of like the monogram thing, you know, some people said like, why aren't the letters more like, well, okay, well that's how a, a monogram works. If you have your initials on something, the, the last name goes in the middle. That's kind of clever. I, I do think it, 
it kind of reminds me of the Clipper. If you remember from the 90s, if you had like a Windows PC and you'd put that in documents, you know, so it seems like very much like a clip art logo, which I think kind of dates it. So I definitely prefer the primary logo we have now, um, especially because, you know, it's it you know pays homage to the Ohio flag, which I think is important. Um, now, for me, it took me way too long to realize that the flag was in the shape of a C wrapped around the star. Um and it's kind of embarrassing how like, you know, what why is the flag backwards? Like, oh, it's a C. Okay. Yeah. So I was an idiot. So we both have our embarrassing stories. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, there's been these rumors that the NHL is considering fourth jerseys for all the teams this year. And the theme is going to be reversible retro. Um, so picking kind of some jersey style from the past. Um and maybe like tweaking the color scheme on it. Um, so there have been leaks for the Penguins and the Flyers. For Pittsburgh, it's the um, in the early '90s they had one that had uh, the word Pittsburgh in black letters going diagonally across the chest. Um, so I think that one was like in white back then. So this one would be in yellow, uh, yellow jersey with the, like the white letters on it. And then the Flyers, they had one that a jersey that was orange with like a black black shoulders and sleeves. And so this one would be black with orange sleeves. Um, I think there's also been talk that the Pooh bear for Boston would come back. And so they'd have that on a, on a white Jersey. There's also rumors of Vegas will go with something that pays homage to a former minor league team there. So it'll be a red Jersey with a different kind of uh, striping on it uh, for them and use their secondary logo. Um, so I'm kind of curious, this does happen, like what will the Columbus jersey look like? Because Columbus has not had a lot of variety in their uniforms. Um, the first time they had an alternate uniform, it introduced the flag logo and it became the primary logo. So our current jerseys kind of look like what that first alternate was. So it really means we've had basically three different logos on a jersey ribbon logo then the now primary logo and then the canon logo and you know either way our primary home jersey has been that union blue color with the red breezers so if you ignore the logo it's like okay that pretty much looks the same we've had a which i think is fine i think there's something to be said for having a consistent look you know a team that has a lot of different looks all the time it, it muddles the branding, you know, and, and I'm someone who in other sports, I'm a fan of teams that have traditional uniform concepts, you know, like the Browns have for the most part always looked like how they look, you know, I was really happy this year when they went back to jerseys that looked like what they've looked like for most of their franchise history, you know, um, you know, Ohio state football, Notre Dame football, their jerseys haven't changed much in the last 50 years. Uh, and I like that. And the Diamondbacks, they're a team that reminds me of having a million jersey concepts or combinations, just going back to 98 when they came into the league. Yeah, and so and so many colors too. You know, are they, are they going with purple or with teal or with red or gold? Or, you know, like we're the Blue Jackets. We're not wearing gray. We're not wearing red. We're blue, you know, with red and white as accent colors. I don't think I would mind if the Blue Jackets had a red jersey. I mean, I, I know they're the Blue Jackets, but I think red could work. But at the same time, Sometimes teams get too cute, I feel like, like the Lakers going to white for their alternate. Uh, it's like, you know, maybe just stick with the original color scheme. Yeah, well, and I, I feel like red would be almost too blatant of a nod of like, oh, hey, look, we're taking Ohio State colors for something. And I think, uh, true. and, and, and yeah. which, you know, while, you know, I would love some more collaboration between the, the two entities, um, I, I still think it's, 
it's not a great look to be, you know, cribbing the the style of a college team in your city, you know, because this is a pro franchise, you know. And uh, I was gonna say that they the Jackets have already had issues like muddling their brand, like when they launched, because people were like, what is a blue jacket? And they didn't make it clear, and they had you know the Stinger logo, and like, what is this bug doing here? It made no it made no sense, you know. And they and they had Stinger's head as the shoulder patch. Which what <laughs> what were they thinking? Um, so it's nice that now they've they've kind of consolidated things. It's it's very clear what the name means. It's the Civil War theme. We have the primary logo. We have one secondary logo. It's the cannon. That's all good. So when it comes to what we would do as a retro, I think if they went back to something with the ribbon logo, that it would be, I don't. Know, I think that would be a little underwhelming. And so I'm kind of curious if they would go with a a faux throwback kind of like what our alternate is, you know, it's like an old style Jersey now, which we kind of ripped off from like the original penguin Jersey, you know, the blue and the circle logo and everything. Yeah. One of my friends said the same thing. So like if Vegas is paying homage to a, a minor league team in their city's past, you know, Columbus has some minor league hockey history. Now, again, is it great for an NHL team to be looking like a minor league team? I don't know, but it could be fun. So obviously first thing that comes to mind for me is the Columbus chill. Um, who had very iconic looks. Now, I'm not saying that we go with the you know black and silver thing. Um, now, if if any listeners uh, have you know Photoshop skills, I'd love to see a mock-up of this. I know there's there's one commenter who listens sometimes who is a uniform expert and a a master of uniform design. So, uh, Burkus, if you're listening, uh, try this out. You weren't alive when the chill were a thing, but. The main jersey had these. I don't know if you remember this, Will. They um, like a bunch of stripes down the right side. They were kind of like that came with like a point. So like a white jersey with these black stripes, and then a diagonal logo, you know, going upward on the left side of the torso that said "Chill." And then like the C had this those kind of lines cutting into it. So picture a maybe a white Jersey with the, with the union blue arrows going down the side. And instead of chill, have it say just CBJ on the left side. Now it would look very nineties to be clear. <laughs> very, very nineties. But you know, at the chill where I think we're a pretty beloved uh, team, at least for people of my generation that, you know, grew up going to those games at the fairgrounds and, you know, dingy as hell and, and not good hockey but it was fun it was our thing you know so and we still have you know we still have the you know the the chiller brand lives on with the with the ice rinks all around town so so that could be interesting there were also some teams first uh team in columbus called the columbus checkers then there was a team that was the uh columbus golden seals and then the then that changed the name to the columbus owls and i've seen a logo from them that's kind of cool um, so maybe paying homage to those things. I think some of those teams had like a, a skinny block C logo on their chest. So that could be something that would be uh, a little different from what the team has had, but still pays homage to the city's history of hockey. Still with like a, something like a C, it's like, oh, this is still very much Columbus. Uh, or, you know, if you did something, again, not so much to rip off Pittsburgh or the Rangers, but to have like you know, Columbus on the Jersey and, you know, block letters diagonally, or maybe like a, a script Columbus, you know, go very, very like, you know, 1920s baseball style. Um, and then something with a, still like a, you know, a blue and red color scheme that could be uh, something like that would be cool. So I, 
Yeah. Any, any listeners out there that have some uh, design skills, I'd love to see some concepts for a fake throwback look that the jackets could wear as a uh, as a retro fourth jersey. Now, the and unfortunately, if there's no fans in the stands at any point this season, which I'm doubtful there will be, it seems kind of a waste to introduce these fourth jerseys and you know only see them on TV and not get to see them in person. That's a little bit of a shame. But uh, I don't know. Do you have any uniform thoughts, Will? What kind of things do you want to see in a special uniform like this? So when you mentioned the chill, I saw someone on Twitter mention that as well. And those were fun times going back to, you know, going to games back in the day. But yeah, one of my friends, he hated the jackets doing a similar Penguins design with a circle in the blue. And Florida and St. Louis have similar concepts as well. To be fair, fair, it's, it's a gorgeous jersey design. And, and I, you know, I, I hate uh, Pittsburgh, but I got to give them credit that their most of their jersey concepts and among all three of their teams look really good. I love the fact that all three of their teams have the city colors, you know, black and gold is the city, you know, and so that's consistent across all three franchises. I think that's really, really cool. And I, I hate that such cool uniforms and concepts are in a city with uh, teams and fans as loathsome as Pittsburgh, but well, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, you know, simple concepts are the ones that end up withstanding the test of time. Stuff that's a little more complicated ends up looking a lot more dated. You know, if you think of like those um, Vancouver Canucks jerseys where their schemes were like, you know, like the black and orange and yellow and that thing, it's like, it just, I mean, it's kind of a cool design, but like it screams, like 1970s, you know, like it's very much of that time or, or some of these teams that, you know, started up in the nineties and have like teal as one of their colors, uh, you know, like the, like the Jaguars or the Charlotte Hornets or the San Jose Sharks. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we, we get it. That's when you, you started as a team when that was the cool color and it was on everything, you know? So yeah. That, that, that's just not as, not as much in my taste. Yeah, the Canucks old logo. I that's another one. I, I didn't see it a long time ago, but it's a skate <laughs> and it looks like yeah, Saturn. Skate, but yeah. yeah, the evolution of logos and uniforms is always awesome. Oh, it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. And, and one last note on this, I do have to point out as I'm sitting here in my in my home office recording this on my bookshelf, I still have a a mini hockey stick that I got at a chill game. And on one side it says, so it's black and silver there on the blade, on the you know handle of the stick. And it says Columbus Chill on one side. The other side says, not your common cold. It's, it was such a great tagline. It's such a cool team. Now, I guess one other throwback concept that will never happen, but I would be so happy if it did. There was one time that the Chill came out with special uniforms uh, where they were briefly the Columbus Mad Cows. Do you remember this? I kind of remember that. Look, at, look, this, look this up. Pull this up right now. Search Columbus Mad Cows. There are people that wanted that to be the name of the NHL team. Yeah, that would have been so Columbus to be the Columbus Mad Cows. Mm -hmm. Well, because, you know, the joke then was that, oh, we're just a cow town, which I think we at this point we have officially moved past that. But uh, that would be a great throwback to just completely steer into the skin and go back to those days when we had that kind of inferiority complex. Oh, we're just a cow town. Uh that would be really cool. Okay, so that'd be my one exception to going away from the, the blue color scheme. Like, okay, just go black and white, mad cows, to hell with it. And regarding the chill, I do have this puck there right here, go. so I do have some swag. Those were really fun times. Su- such a cool logo, such a such a great, great color scheme. I love that. I think we're just about out of time for this week. PD, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? 
Well, and, and in the meantime, uh, while we wait for the season to start, uh, we'll be looking back to cover stuff in honor of the 20th anniversary of the Blue Jackets. Uh, so stay tuned to JacketsCanon.com as we uh, as we profile some of the most memorable players and other figures from uh, you know the history of Blue Jackets hockey since the year 2000. Uh, it's going to be a fun trip down memory lanes. We'll, we'll use that to pass the time here in the coming months. It's going to be really interesting again, just going back to the beginning, You know the return to play and how that's going to work for the league. And it'll be interesting to see if these teams you know, maybe uh, introduce a new retro look. Yeah, it'll be fun to reminisce and talk about some of the original Blue Jackets. And uh, we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.